HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, I'm Diane Stemple, and this is Cutting the Curd. Today, I'm discussing the Cabot Creamery Cookbook with two people involved with the book and Cabot Creamery. I want to welcome both Margarita Martinez, host of Boston's WGBH's Neighborhood Kitchen, and also Craig Guile, Senior Cheese Grater at Cabot Creamery. Welcome to both of you. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. Craig, are you here, Hi, too? Nice to meet you. Nice thank to you, meet you. Thank you again for the invite. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks, both of you, for being here. I understand you have met before? Yes, we have. Uh, we met a while back, and I got a really great uh, tasting demonstration from Craig, which was really wonderful. Uh-huh. Now, you're not in the same place right now, though. No, I'm in Boston. Uh, no, we're not. Okay, and you're, <laughs> in, and you're in Vermont, Craig, right? Yeah, I'm in uh, the central central Vermont. Okay, so well, let me tell you the sub, the the listeners. The subtitle of the book says it all: simple, wholesome dishes from America's best dairy farms. Margarita, can you tell us how you first got involved with this project and where the recipes come from? Sure, I got involved with this project. Um, well, I've always been really passionate about um, food and travel, and I hosted a food and travel show, Neighborhood Kitchens, like you said, here uh, based in New England. And uh, Cabot Creamery and Time Inc. Oxmoor House Books, who published the book, uh, contacted me about contributing some recipes and writing an intro letter and becoming the spokesperson. 
And I've always been a fan of Cabot products and, and their cheeses and also the heritage of the cooperative. Mm-hmm. So um, I heartily agreed to uh, come on board and collaborate with it. And the recipes, uh, there are 150 recipes from appetizers to desserts and everything in between. Mm-hmm. And the recipes come from different farm families who are profiled in the book uh, mm-hmm. that come from Cab- that are part of Cabot Cooperatives from all over New England and also upstate New York. So there are those recipes, and then also the recipes come from uh, Cabot employees, uh, Cabot fans such as myself, local chefs who use Cabot products, and also um, even musicians like Grace Potter. Grace Potter and the Nocturnals has the recipes in here. Ah, I didn't see that one. Yeah, I know. She's got these um, baked macaroni cups, which are really great. Cool. Um, Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so it's all basically like I like to think of it as a greatest hit of Uh the different recipes that Cabot has been collecting over the years Mm -hmm. uh, and that are just utilizing all the really great products. Great. Now, uh, Craig, your newest title at Cabot Creamery Cooperative is New Products Business Partner? Craig? Oh, sorry. I had my, uh, sorry, I had the mute on. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, cheese grater, Cabot Creamery, and, uh, and now your new products business partner? Uh, yes, I am. Now, what is, uh, what can you tell our audience? What is a cheese grater, and what are your new, um, responsibilities? All right. So, uh, I've been with the organization now for about 12 years, and, uh, at Cabot, we employ cheese graters, and, mm-hmm. uh, our job is to, so when we're making uh, a lot of the different profiles that we make, like mm-hmm. our year and a half old, our two year, our extra sharp, our hunters, seriously sharp. Mm-hmm. We uh, that's all made from the same uh, kind of the same recipe. Mm-hmm. But uh, and as you know, with cheese making, uh, cheese can kind of go all over the place with different uh, different flavor profiles. So mm-hmm. uh, what we do is we have uh, a group of cheese graders that define what we want to see in each profile, and it's our job to uh, travel around to all of our factories and warehouses to to cherry pick the. Uh, the cheese and kind of decide where it should go. Mm-hmm. Okay. And do you have some new things up your sleeve for the new products business partner? Uh, yeah, we are. We are working on a couple of things uh, in, uh, behind the scenes. So hopefully, uh, over the next year, you'll see some new uh, ideas rolling out for us. Okay. Right now, we're uh, we're still just working with the uh, last year. We came out with our legacy line, uh-huh. which were three new uh, three new higher end cheeses that we we're trying to bring to the uh, the dairy section. Okay. Um, now, I saw a map of the farms um, on the website. Wow. They are sprinkled. Uh, the farm the farm pictures and talking about the farms is sprinkled throughout the book. But the map shows what a great distance some of the farms are from each other. They're, they're in very northern New York. They're near Ithaca. They're all the way through Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine, and down in Connecticut and Massachusetts. Craig, do you visit the farms? Um, I don't get a chance to get out to them as much as I'd like. I actually was uh, was raised on a small family farm when I was younger, so I uh-huh. had a lot of experience with it. Uh-huh. But uh, I do make it out occasionally, but I, I spend more of my time in the factories. Okay. But luckily for us, uh, I mean, as you know, with milk quality uh, concerns, it's uh, you know that's you, you can't make a good culture product of cheese without good milk. Right. So we have uh, you know we have a number of factories sprinkled about for our butter and cheese factories. So mm-hmm. they're they're kind of they spread out just enough where uh, where all of our farmer owners can get their milk to the to the factory in uh, short order. I was wondering, what are the logistics like in running such a cooperative? Does every farm ship every day? Uh, I think for the most part. Mm-hmm. 
And how do the farms join the cooperative? Can you still join? Uh, yes, you can. We uh, we still are accepting applications. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do have, again, we are a farmer-owned co-op, but we do have pretty high standards in what we expect from our farmers. Mm-hmm. So uh, there is an application process that uh, they have to go through. Mm-hmm. And do you know, like, the smallest amount of cows and the largest amount of cows uh, a different farm would have? Uh, I think with our largest amount, I think we're close to maybe around 3,000. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we will have smaller farms that can be you know, around like the 15 to 20 cow mark. Wow. Wow. So those are very different places. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's all over. And when the milk comes, is it all mixed together or some separate? Uh, it usually comes in. I mean, depending on what the the milk truck routes are, uh, mm-hmm. they will uh, they will mix milk as it comes in. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But you mean as have, they're picking have, it we up? We have a pretty strict uh, quality uh, procedures in place where, you know, every every uh, every place that we go to collect milk, you know, we take milk samples with us, and uh, not even once the milk gets commingled, there's no uh, you know, it doesn't end the factory until we do all the appropriate tests. Uh huh. Do any of the farms make their own cheese? Uh, we do have a couple of farmer owners that do make their own cheese. Cool. We do have a, we have a pretty strong partnership with Jasper Hill, and uh, we do have uh, one of our owners at Landoff Creamerages. Ah, okay. I, I do a little bit of work for Jasper Hill as well, so I'm familiar with the oh, Cabot Clothbound collaboration from way back. Um, Margarita, do you know how the recipes were first recruited? Did people... Uh, send their recipes in? How were they selected? Were they tested before they got into the book? Or Yeah, so like I said, they were, I kind of think of them as the greatest hits. So some of them have been in Cabot's possession for a number of years, and it is sometimes it's people who submit their recipes. Um, so these are ones that are the most popular and that they were tested uh, by Cabot to be uh, you know, to meet the standards and what they were looking for. And then also Cabot has, um, you know, they collaborate with different uh, chefs such as um, Jimmy Kennedy and uh, Joshua Rollins who have their own restaurants at Inns. And so they, um, you know, would be work with them to come up with new recipes or to share their recipes that they use themselves in using Cabot. So, um, so it's kind of a, a range of that, and that's how they were selected for the book. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think they've got kind of, you know, they've got a stockpile of, of over a thousand recipes that they have from people who have submitted, or um, you know, or that they've worked with in order to come up with these recipes. Mm-hmm. And um, like, for example, there are quite a few macaroni and cheese recipes, but I imagine there must be many more where that came from. Oh, yes. Uh, so there are, I think there's about four macaroni and cheese recipes in here. Like you've got your basic, one with butternut squash, mm-hmm. one with bacon and jalapenos. And then what I love about the book is that there are different sections. And then, what you know, there'll be like a grid that tells you, for instance, there's grilled cheese and different farmers weigh in on how they like their grilled cheese. Mm-hmm. And with the macaroni and cheese, there's actually an inset that talks about where different farmers uh, talk about how they like their macaroni and cheese. And I really liked that because I, I didn't think to put the horseradish cheddar in with my macaroni and cheese. 
And so I started to do that, and I because I find the horseradish cheddar from Cabot to be really melty and uh-huh. soft, so it has a really nice consistency to melt with something that's a little sharper, um, right. like seriously sharp. And so kind of to have those balance of flavors and, and put that in. So that's a little, you know, tidbit that I got, and I was like, hmm, I want to try that. I, I didn't think about putting that or putting garlic and herb cheese in there with right. my macaroni and cheese. So even being involved in the book, you're getting tips from it. Oh, absolutely. That's yeah, there are things I didn't think of doing that. Um, even with their Greek-style yogurt, there's a whole section on how to make different dips and spreads for your sandwiches or for parties and whatnot, and to think about how different ways that you can use the, you know, make, to make labna or to use the, the yogurt in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really fun to a jumping-off point. Does every single recipe have cheese in it or at least dairy products? Uh, every single recipe has dairy products in it, but that can range from butter to mm-hmm. yogurt and to cheese. The majority of them do have cheese, right. uh, which is really great. Um, but there are things like Greek-style yogurt and fruit pancakes, mm-hmm. or there's also, um, I really like the maple cinnamon rolls from Mississippi Valley Farm, and those, uh, you know, it's the butter, and then they also use a cream cheese kind of glaze on it, which Cabot also makes cream cheese, so... Mm-hmm. Did you, did you say meatball cinnamon rolls? Did you say meat? Did you say meatball cinnamon rolls? Oh no, I said maple. I'm oh. sorry. <laughs> I was going to say that well, one. That'll be in the second book. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> that one passed me by. There are meatballs though in the book. Yes, there are yeah. some meatballs in there. That yeah, is true. <laughs> and uh, is, is there cheese in the meatball and sprinkled on top? Probably. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, some of the recipes just had a little cheese, but that's good because you want some, you know, you want some flexibility in a cookbook. Right. That's how I feel, too. Yeah. I mean, there are some stews that just call for, you know, you can top it with the with cheese or, uh, you know, just use a dollop of of yogurt. Uh, so it's kind of there's something a little something for everybody and how much dairy they want to have or how little. Mm-hmm. And then there's well, there's obviously no vegan, but there's some vegetarian. Yes, there are a good number of vegetarian, especially mm-hmm. there's a lot of soups and, um, you know, and the macaroni and cheeses and grilled cheeses and things like that. Right, right. Craig, do you cook from the book also? Uh, I've started to. I actually just got my hands on the book a couple of weeks ago, so uh, I've been putting it to good use. Okay. It's great because I go through a lot of different cheeses, so it's uh, it's nice to always have extra ideas to go through all those little cheese bits that, uh, that end up accumulating on the, on the door of the fridge. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> Um, okay, well, I think we'll take our break now. Uh, this is Diane Stemple on Cutting the Curd. We'll be back with Margarita Martinez and Craig Guile, both from both attached to the Cabot Creamery Cookbook, and we'll be back real soon. You are listening to Vroom Vroom by Ball of Flame, Shoot Fire. And this is Cutting the Curd on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
The dairy farm families of Wisconsin and the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board are proud to underwrite Cutting the Curd on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Wisconsin cheeses have an illustrious heritage of more than 170 years of quality and craftsmanship. During this long and rich history, the art and science of cheesemaking have been captured in time-honored traditions that produce cheese varieties of unsurpassed excellence. Today, Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country. To learn more, visit www.eatwisconsincheese.com. Wow, I never heard that little group of girls advertising our network. Sounds great. Welcome back. Diane Stemple on Cutting the Curd on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. And we're talking about the Cabot Creamery Cookbook today with Craig Guile and Margaret Martinez. Welcome back. Thank you. So I Thank s- you. I saw in the book that um, May Leach has a recipe in it for four bean, four pepper chili, and um, she is or was, uh, I think, the Cabot Cloth-Bound Cheesemaker. Um, has she retired? Uh, she actually just retired at, uh, at the beginning of the year. Oh, okay. Do you, you know her? Uh, yes, I did. Uh, yes, I do. She, uh, she actually used to be my boss. Oh, cool. She's a very nice yeah, woman. A uh, very excellent addition to, uh, to Cabot. Yeah, yeah. She really put us on the map. As I said, um, you know, I work with Jasper Hill sometimes, so I've met her many times at um, American Cheese Society meetings or Fancy Food Show or whenever she was, you know, down in the city. Um, and she had a younger sidekick. Did that person take over the cheese making, or who's making the Cabot Cloth Bound now? Yeah, I think you're talking about uh, Megan. Yeah, she uh, she's still with us, and she's uh, taken on a lot of that role. Okay. Were you... She's kind of our head food scientist. Okay. Were, um, were you at Cabot when, back when the collaboration with Jasper Hill started? Uh, I was. I wasn't a part of any of that at that time. I was, uh, I was in a different role. Mm-hmm. How, um, Craig, I have another cheese question for you. How has sure. the, uh, the recent FDA brouhaha and rulings been affecting your work at the farm? Uh, so when that, yeah, a lot of that first came out, I mean, it, it was, obviously it did, a lot of people wound up and worked up, mm-hmm. but, uh, it was also a good reminder for us all to, to kind of take a look at our practices also. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, again, I think a lot of people that really know about, you know, aging cheese on wood, that it really is, uh, you know, if it's done right, it's not really that much of an issue, but mm-hmm. I, mean, I can also understand how if you don't know anything about it or if you, your lack of knowledge is not, is very extensive, how that could be, uh, you know, you could you could think of uh, you know why not just put it on stainless steel, right? When uh, you know somebody that's you know been making cheese for generations or even decades can can identify pretty quickly why you can't do that mm-hmm. or how it would affect quality. So uh, you know, I think it was it was a good rallying point for not just uh, the Vermont cheesemakers, but uh, you know with you know you know American Cheese Society did a lot of uh, did a lot of work in stepping up to the plate also on uh, on kind of showing the the cheese uh, maker perspective. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was, you know, again, it's, it's, if you look at it another good way, not only was it a, another way to engage with the FDA, but, uh, you know, it was, it's a good way to just kind of look at all your practices over again and, uh, 
mm-hmm. and just making sure you're, you know, all your ducks are in a row. Right, right. How did how did you learn to be a cheese grater? What what kind of schools did you go to? Um, so actually, I started out uh, at Cabot as a uh, quality auditor, mm-hmm. and then uh, after I, I originally got kind of assigned into the cheese grating role, more just on uh, taste buds alone. Okay, so, but I'm no by I'm no means a, a super taster by any means. Mm-hmm. I just uh, I think I had a lot of passion for it, and I think my my taste buds were really stuff to stuff. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I've uh, you know I've, I've done a lot of work with uh, WCMA with ACS. Uh, I've gotten some training from the uh, University of Madison, Wisconsin. I've taken a lot of short courses with uh, the Vermont Institute of Artists and Cheese in Vermont, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, with uh, Guelph University in Ontario, Canada. Mm-hmm. Now, what are the classes called? What what are the subjects that you take to get better at cheese grading? Um, I started out with. Uh, Wisconsin has a has a pretty excellent cheese grading short course, mm-hmm. but uh, you know we, we, I, I would really recommend taking a lot of cheese making classes. And uh, again, I, knowing Matteo and Andy, that's been uh, I've been fortunate enough to to be allowed to uh, uh-huh. to go up to the to the caves and to uh, the creamery to be able to make cheese with them hands on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to, to see what the process is like, so then you know what you're looking for later and and yeah, what's gone exactly. into it. So I mean, when when you're talking about cheese, like there's that romantic aspect where you're you know you're really trying to engage with the customer mm-hmm. and then talk to them about what's going on with the cheese, and then uh, you know with cheese grating on the other end of it, there's that more technical aspect where you're trying to play detective. So you want to be able to. You know, to pick up those flavors and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, body issues that are going on, and be able to trace it back to what's going on with the cheese. Mm-hmm. So, you know. do you offer any apprenticeships in cheese grading at uh, at Cabot? Uh, we haven't. We do do. Uh, you know, again, I'm kind of always available for any little events that we come up for. So, I, I do. Uh, I have done little speeches and uh, and cheese grading. Quite a few times, just kind of showing people a little behind the scenes of what's going on mm-hmm. on the hand cheese collection, and just you know how you use these clues to communicate back to the cheese makers, and uh, you know just to make a, a better product or a more consistent product. Mm-hmm. Okay, a question for both of you. I don't know if either of you will know the answer to this. Do the farmers in the cooperative ever all get together? Uh, yes, they definitely do. Even all of them from like I mean, I don't know about every single one of them, but there's there's definitely uh, groups that get together. They do have they do have a lot of meetings. Right? Are they are they like official meetings. meetings that they're required to attend? Uh, I don't know if they're required to attend. I think most of them want to attend because okay. uh, yeah, just to, just to have a role in uh, governing the co-op. Mm-hmm. And are there also social functions? Do they have like a you know? summer picnic or well i know they do have uh i mean a lot of our farmer owners tend to be they tend to like to engage with the with like our customers so we do have uh some farmer days uh-huh. where a number of our farmers will open up their farms to the public and we'll do a big organized event where you know you'll be able to go onto our website and we'll be able to show you what farms are what farms are organized ah, okay sort of like to the public so similar to the Similar to the Vermont Cheese Trail, but just seeing the the dairies. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then outside of that, I know uh, I know a lot of them. I mean, just when it comes to communicating, we have a we have a pretty dedicated group of field reps that work for the company and work for the farmer owners. Mm-hmm. That uh, you know, that monitor all the quality and they you know they act as a as a good conduit in between the farmers, being able to communicate what you know what each group is seeing. Mm-hmm. 
Is there a closer core group uh, mile-wise that's, you know, all close to the main Cabot farm and socialize or get together more frequently? Uh, you know, I'm not quite sure. I, I, it seems like for the meetings that I've been to, it's, it's all a pretty tight-knit group. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, each region really knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, and there isn't just the one main, like, Cabot plant. Like, you know, we have another large plant in uh, Middlebury and another one. And we have a butter plant in Massachusetts and oh, okay. another plant in New York. So, okay. yeah, it's, what's great about it is each, in each region... Of, uh, of our farmer owners tend to be somewhat close to. to oh, okay. Order. So, and then the those plants can sort of act like a a hub. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we're we're definitely always open to any of our farmer owners that want to come and mm-hmm. come and visit, or if they have mm-hmm. any questions, they uh, they definitely know who to come to. Are there other cooperatives of of dairy farmers in the country? Uh yeah, all throughout the country. Mm-hmm. As big. I think there's a number that are that are either bigger or bigger. Than okay, us. okay. Now you said before that all the milk gets mixed. Um, what about the types of cows? Does all that get mixed? Uh, it does get mixed. Okay. So we have, uh, yeah, we do have. I mean, I think for the majority of what we're going to have around here are mostly Holsteins and Jerseys. Mm-hmm. So that does have to be accounted for, uh, you know, with the, with the cheese makers. Mm-hmm. You know, we're I'm I'm more familiar with more small scale artisan cheese making. So they're they like to name you know not only name their cows but just have one kind of cow and <laughs> <laughs> milk and the cheese. So that that's different for me. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's great sometimes with a smaller scale where you can really kind of you know hone into exactly what cheese you want to make and then kind of pick the right cow for that mm-hmm. for that right cheese is always great. I mean, when the when the co-op started, it was more on you know how can we you know basically produce a an award-winning product out of out of the milk that our farmers supply us. So. Right, right. And what is the legacy collection going to be? Will that be a uh, single farm? So the farm legacy collection or? it's out right now. We actually have it's uh, it's four items, mm-hmm. and uh, two of the ones that jump out. You know, talking about the cookbook like this. Yeah, I don't know if you've had an opportunity to try our Alpine cheddar. But it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a fun take on Alpine cheeses where we basically have a very similar make to cheddar. Uh-huh. And uh, it has a very similar body feel to it, a very center, uh, similar aged cheddar flavor to it. Uh-huh. But it's got that, those really strong nutty sweet notes that you'd find in a lot of uh, Alpine cheeses. Okay. And it actually it also has, and it's, you know, it's, it has that softer body like a cheddar would have, but it also has that kind of like aged uh, cheddar tyrosine crunch that mm-hmm. you typically mm-hmm. either don't see in cheese until two or three years. Right. Now, does that make it similar to Cabot Clothbound? Uh, actually, so we have another one called White Oak. Okay. That's uh, very similar to the Clothbound, and that's made with a very similar formula. Uh-huh. So instead of having it, it instead of you know, normally with our, with our Cabot cheese, we have that really upfront uh, kind of really sharp acidity to it. Yes. And this one tends to have a little more balanced acidity in the background, more of an upfront sweetness. Okay. Somewhat similar to the, to the Clothbound. Okay. When I uh, demo the clothbound, I usually yell into the grocery store, sweet and nutty. <laughs> <laughs> and we also have cheese. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Anyway, so, um, uh, Margarita, how did you, did you fall in love with cheese in particular or all kinds of food? How did you start on the food path? Uh, all kinds of food. 
All kinds of food. I mean, I think probably what kind of got me started on food was uh, travel and just traveling mm-hmm. to different countries and trying different street food or eating, eating in people's homes and uh, trying new things and then trying to replicate that in my kitchen or find those ingredients when I come back stateside. Uh, so that kind of piqued my interest in, in trying things. And I think also growing up in a multicultural family where my mom was French, German, and Polish, and my dad was Puerto Rican and kind of, you know, bridging that gap or having, you know, dinner was very, um, had a, a wide variety. Um, so that's kind of how I, I got into it and then just my curiosity and, and going from there. Uh-huh. Did your, um, did your dad cook or did your dad uh, teach your mom some recipes? Uh, funny you should mention that. So my mom is an excellent cook, uh-huh. um, and my but she worked late during the weeks. So my dad would cook during the week, and he really didn't enjoy it. Um, uh-huh. So you know, so it wasn't so much that I was he, she was teaching my mother, but my mother would learn with his his mother. So uh-huh. she would teach her all the recipes that she had. You know, using things like this is the cup I have. It's not a measuring cup, but it's like the metal cup that's missing its handle. That this is the right <laughs> amount of rice that you use. Right. You know, in this pot. So she, right. Exactly. In this pot, just like this. You know. So she passed down those recipes to my mother. And when my mother met my father, she just like, fell in love with the food. So she was really hungry to learn those recipes and, and bring them into our house. So that ah. was really something I benefited from, from my grandmother and my mother. Ah, so your dad was lucky. He got to keep eating the food he wanted. <laughs> yes. And still to this day, it's really hard for him to eat a meal without rice and beans. If they're not on the table, it doesn't matter. He's like, where are my rice and beans? <laughs> he just wants it along with. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Craig, did you fall in love with cheese or or uh, food first? Um, I've I've always tinkered around with food a little bit, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think since I, since I've really kicked up my cooking game, I think I was uh, in love with cheese first. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we mention all the different uh, the, the great mac and cheese recipes in here, it's uh, I've, I've really learned how to to get experimental with some of those recipes by uh, just the amount of different cheeses that I buy. Oh, that's good. That's mm-hmm. good. So what are your what are your non Cabot favorite cheeses? May I ask? Um, <laughs> for I mean, just starting as within Vermont, I'm a huge fan of uh, a lot of obviously what Jasper Hill does and mm-hmm. uh, what Vermont Creamery is doing. Uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're doing some excellent, excellent. Uh, if I wasn't in Cheddar, I think I'd be a big Gouda fan. Ah, okay. I know uh, okay. I'm a big fan of uh, Marique's in, okay. uh, in Wisconsin. She's okay. doing some really interesting work. Um, aged? Sweet, yeah. sweet and nutty? <laughs> sweet, sweet and nutty. <laughs> what well, if, you know, one thing I've always appreciated with Gouda, it, it, it is similar to Cheddar. You know, right. So many different profiles right. that, you can, uh, that you can really enjoy. Right. And what about European cheeses? Where would your favorites um, be? That, that's that's where I go to, uh, to still look at a lot of different blues. I've, okay. I've always been a fan of. How about you, Margarita? Um, well, I, I'm actually a really big fan of Narragansett Creamery, uh-huh. um, which is out of Rhode, Narragansett, Rhode Island. Right. So I love their ricotta, especially with some um, with some honey on it, mm-hmm. and um, I, yeah, and I really like their mozzarella that they make along with. Uh, they have a queso fresco that I really like. So um, that's, those are some ones that I really like to indulge in here. And then I'm a big fan of Gorgonzola 
also with honey <laughs> if it's uh-huh. on a cheese plate. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and I, I really like blues and things like that. Yeah, okay. Okay, well, I want to thank you both for coming on the show and talking about this book. It's it's really a fun book, and it's also got great stories of farmers sprinkled in the recipes, and I recommend it for eat, any cheese lovers or for anyone interested in reading about dairy farms. Uh, thank you, Craig Guile and Margarita Martinez. And this is Cutting the Curd, and we'll be back in a month talking about another book. Thank you. listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.